What's up, everyone? You're listening to At The Bridge Pod, episode 27. And today, we are going to be reviewing our games against Aston Villa and West Ham United, as well as looking ahead to our fixtures against Everton and our big Champions League game against Lille. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. So let's get this episode on the road. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I'm your host, Mikey, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Hello. So, before we start, I just wish to give a shout-out to the love of Paul McGrath Aston Villa podcast, who had me on as a guest this week to chat about the Aston Villa game. It didn't go in their favour, so... That's always good. It was indeed. The link to their podcast in the episode I appeared on is on our Twitter page, if you so wish to check it out. And one last important shout out. I recorded a piece today at the time of recording this for the radio station Radio City, which is based in Liverpool, about our upcoming game against Everton. So please check that out as well. So it's been a busy, busy week and we have some games to review and some news to talk about. It's good news. It's brilliant news. About time. About time. The Court of Arbitration for Sport have reduced our transfer ban to one window, which we've obviously served in the summer. And it means that next month we are, of course, consigned players again. Now, before we go into a little bit of talk about that, I'm just going to read the club statement. Just the first line. I don't know if you've read this already, Chris. I haven't had a chance. I haven't had a chance to uh, okay. spend a year in it. The first line, um, that's what I'm going to do. The rest of it, you can. I'm sure people have read. It's, it's worth a read. Honestly, you should go read it. But... Right. Chelsea is grateful to the CAS for the diligent approach that it gave this matter. The club has not yet received the written reasons for CAS's decision, but wishes to make the following clear. Now, they've done four bullet points. The first one is what I'll read out because it's brilliant. Number one, the approach taken by FIFA to this case has been deeply unsatisfactory, not least as FIFA chose to treat Chelsea entirely differently to Manchester City for reasons that make absolutely no sense to Chelsea. Ooh. I love it. I love it. It's so Sass. true. Though. If you do, if you look Sass. at both cases, it's exactly the same. We've both been punished for the really same. Is. Yeah. And really you know, at the end of the day, I sort of see it as you can't punish one team or one person differently to the other when you've both committed the same offence. Well, it's one rule for one and another rule for an, another team. It just doesn't e- make any sense. Exactly. Now, obviously, they go into details in the other bullet points about where we were punished for and why we shouldn't have been and how we went with the process and what we were told. So it's an interesting read, to be honest. It really is. Mm. But, you know, that means January, big test for Frank Lampard to see if he can find the right players that will improve the squad. So before we go into our game reviews, who would you like us to sign this January or feel Uh, that we could go for, really? Well, there's many areas that we need to improve on. I think Ben Shilwell is just a no-go in January. What? Oh, right. I was going to say. Okay, I'll get your point. There you go. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> like, like, there's no way we'll get him in January. Um, yeah, that's true. Why. I think I think we're most likely to go for a winger, and I think it'll probably be someone like Wilfred Zaha, or maybe yeah. maybe a striker called Musa Dembele potentially. I think that's the two most obvious ones. I'll yeah, the, way. the short list of transfer targets as reported by Nizar Kinsella is Jaden Sancho. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. It's bit great player. Gun apparently is for sale in January. Cost a lot of money. Whether we'll see, we'll see on that. Kai Havertz, great mm-hmm. midfielder from Leverkusen. I I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, Sander, yeah, Sander Berg, Burge. I've, I'm not too well up on him, so I don't I think know. It's Sander, but yeah, he's a good player. He's a very good player. Fair enough. Timo Werner. Cut. Yeah, another very good player. Yeah, 
Wilfred Zahar, like you said, mm. he'll be a cheap alternative to Sancho. And I, I could see him, he'll, he'll want to stay in London. Yeah, and definitely. definitely. Yeah, I, I would like him in our side. Obviously, it gives that otherwise squad depth as well. And, you know, he's shown that he has that Hazard-esque ability. Again, when we say that, we don't mean that they are on that level, but they have that ability to create something from yeah, nothing. Yeah. And he's better but, than what we've got at the moment. Yeah, I mean, true. He's better than Pedro. But yeah, and that's the thing. Unlikely, so, I know, you know some, I've read some comments on social media about why are we going to be going for these names? But remember, Pedro and Willian are in the latter stage of their contracts. Yeah. And come January, both could agree deals to go elsewhere. I wouldn't be shocked if Willian or Pedro or both agree to go to Juventus with Sarri. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've got to sort of look for the future as well. And the final two names, Ben Chilwell, big fan. I, I'd love him at the t- club. However, yeah. as I've said on our Twitter account, I can't see Leicester, who are actually a rival for the top four. We have to treat them as that. Are going to let their best, one of their best players in their eleven, go to a rival. I just can't see that in January. I really yeah, exactly. can't. It doesn't make sense for them. And finally, Nathan Aki from Bournemouth, who we apparently still have the buyback option of, I think, forty million, which it's not too much in money nowadays yeah i yeah. I wouldn't be too upset I, I really like him and you know it'd be great to have him back at the club obviously a youth academy player under morris and lampard he would get game time so and he is very very solid always consistent and he rarely puts a foot wrong how many how many mistakes can you count that nathan ake has done for bournemouth really yeah exactly and it, it's if, if you could argue would he want to move well bournemouth aren't in a great run of form at the moment mm. You know, yeah, they've had exactly, exactly. a fair few defeats on the, the bounce. So I wouldn't be too surprised to see the him wanting to come back. And he knows, I'd like to hope he knows that if he was to come back, he would get that chance in the defence. Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. it's a different exactly. system now under Lampard and Morris. So, you know, there is it's so different than what it could have been last season. So you can see it on both sides. It's going to be an interesting January and I can't wait to see us linked with some ridiculous names again. It's just great to read. Here's a question for you. Of all those, well, all those names you mentioned, which is a player that we haven't mentioned, would you like to see at Chelsea in January? Maybe, I've seen Jose Gaia and Alex Tellers mentioned as left-back. So I've got to look at left-back. That's where we're weakest. And, I would like either one of them. I feel that they're all pretty good players. So ideally I want Chilwell because, you know, he's Premier League proven and, you know, homegrown player as well. But if I couldn't have him, I'd have one of Tellez or Gaia, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. What about yourself? Um, I really like Ziyech, if I'm honest. Yeah. Oh yeah, 100%. I doubt um, I actually let him go in January. Because he is one of their best players now. Uh, Just throw but, money, and we've got loads of money. Take it all. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to say, oh yeah, Mbappe, Neymar, oh uh, Messi, Ronaldo. get him in. But I mean, we've got to be realistic and we've got to be careful. I mean, all yeah, these young players, yeah. they've done really well. It's Say true. if we brought in a Timo Werner, for instance, just Tammy Abraham, then think, hold on, I've scored eleven goals so far this season. You're already buying a world class striker, and and I've been performing. So what, what's the crack here? So we've got True. to be really careful who we buy, what positions are we buying. And it's just, Frank's got a bit of pressure on him now because he's got a bit of money to spend. You know, he's not got that transfer ban to fall back on. If exactly. results don't go our way. So we've got to be careful. Don't go fucking balls deep. No, but, as I, you know, as I tweeted, yeah, as I tweeted, this transfer ban has been a true blessing. 
it gave us a summer to evaluate who from our youth academy were ready to make that step up into the first team. Yeah. And now going to January, under the guidance of, obviously, you've got Petrek, Frank Lampard, Jody Morris, and obviously Marina. We now sort of know which positions we need to improve upon. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. that's the thing. So game review, West Ham United, second league defeat in a row. After they walked away from Stamford Bridge with a 1-0 win, thanks to uh, a goal from Aaron Creswell. Where do you think it went wrong on Saturday then? Everywhere. <laughs> I just think we looked very, very tired, very lethargic, didn't look up for it. They just wanted it more. I know that's very cliche, but they did. Um, you could argue Reese James could have done better for the goal. He, he, he played really well, to be fair. One of our best. He did play well. It was a. It was a. It's a shame that the mistake um, was from himself. But uh, you know, you've got to look at the experienced players. You got got to look at Lampard as well. I mean, he's throwing Pedro in there. He's throwing Giroud in there. I know you've got to rotate, but unfortunately, they just didn't look up for it. Pedro and Giroud, and it's it's a shame. Um, but yeah, West Ham just wanted it more, and you know, they came over the three points. Unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, the first half, the first half looked good. I mean, there was lots of sparks here and there. And, yeah. You know, there was creative running and one-touch passing, and it was great. But come that second half, it was dreadfully the opposite. You know, there was yeah. no creativity. Back and forth, two-touch passing, it seemed to be a bit like when it used to be last season. Uh, and no yeah. one really wanted to take a risk. And, you know, as soon as we had possession, players were running away from the person on the ball while... West Ham controlled the space around the player, and that's sort of obviously what led to the goal in the end. Yeah, you know, I totally I, agree. I mean, I've seen a lot of tweets uh, on Twitter, obviously, this week about uh, Mason Mount not being very good and, you know, not worthy of playing for Chelsea and he's not good enough and this and that. And I feel he was a scapegoat again against West Ham. A lot of people saying he's not creative enough in that number 10 role. I feel it's really harsh on him. He's only 20 years old. Yes, he didn't have a great game. He hasn't had... Uh, many great games recently but he started off really well for us he played really well against Aston Villa which I'm sure we'll get on to mm. and you know it just seems as if that when Mason Mount plays badly or when Satan has been a quick rule William plays badly people immediately jump on them and say oh they're not good enough for this club but say for Jorginho didn't play very well or Pulisic uh, didn't play very well or Kovacic or Kepler or whoever it seems as if uh, people on Twitter just seemingly ignore it and I, and I I find it so, so strange that they just ignore it when like Pulisic or Jorginho play, play badly because they're their favourites. But when Mason Mount plays badly, it's, oh, no, he's terrible, he's terrible. Yeah, I can, see, I can see you, but it's ter- it does seem, I do seem to get that vibe. I mean, they obviously will go into how they've improved, they put in a good performance on, obviously, Wednesday night. So there was some, yeah. that was yeah. their redemption. But, you know, they shouldn't even have to have to redeem anything. They've, come into this team and they've proven that they can play at this level like I've said form is temporary and class is permanent and they yes, both have exactly. such good talent in them I mean with the West Ham game mm. maybe game management was a problem you know we started yeah. quickly again and we looked great for 30 minutes and then yeah you know yeah, I'd agree with that I feel it's, like it's one of yeah. those games where you need Eden Hazard Unfortunately, yeah. That's why he, missed him. Those like last season, he did was the difference between us getting them three points against West Ham. Exactly. You know, whenever other managers make adjustments, we sort of stall a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, we did start fast. We did look dangerous, but like I said, thirty minutes in, we lacked that creativity. Nothing was wide open. No. And West Ham pushed us 
out onto the wide flanks and we didn't really adjust to it and it, it cost us really. No, fair play to West Ham. No, I mean, you, you can't take anything away from them. They've they got their tactics right. And, uh, yeah, especially their form. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so with that Saturday, did it show that without Tammy Abraham in our starting eleven, we are going to struggle to score goals? I think, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't think I'd be saying this, but Tammy Abraham is such a massive, massive miss to our team when he's, he's not there. I mean, Giroud is just... He can't stretch a defence, Drew. He's very much uh, hold up the ball and bring other players into play. He'll, he'll come into midfield and try and win headers and stuff. And Whereas Batshuayi is more like Tammy Abraham in the sense that he's very much a poacher. He hasn't got the hold up skills and he, hasn't, he probably isn't as quick as Tammy Abraham. And he's definitely not as good on the ball as Tammy Abraham. So it's, he is a big, big, big miss. And as proven, uh, Tammy Abraham is so, so clinical and front of the goal at the minute. So... Massive mess for him, for us. Yeah, I mean, Olivier Giroud, he wasn't bad against West Ham. No, no. But that's sort of the problem with him. You know, he's, you know, he's sometimes ineffective going forward. And I'm glad he got his chance because obviously he he deserves an opportunity because yeah, he does play. Course. He do, He's been a great servant for the short period of time he's been at our club. But he's a great player. He is a great player. Yeah, but I feel like he got his chance, but he might have missed the opportunity to make the impression on why he should be second choice, check second choice, sorry, over Batshuayi. Yeah, 100%. 100%. You know, and it's a shame because Tammy does offer that, that so different approach and he is a focal point in our attack this season. And Tammy presses as well. Tammy really does hound the defence and he'll run into the channels, whereas Batshuayi and, and Giroud especially just don't yeah, do that. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So... Yeah, with that, I don't think there's anything else to add on. It was just one of them games. We lost 1-0. We move on. Aston Villa. We had back-to-back game, home games at Stamford Bridge this past week. This time, obviously, we came up against the buoyant Aston Villa side who had drawn 2-2 at Old Trafford with a goal, I must say, from Jack Grealish that was top draw. It was an amazing goal. Lovely, lovely finish. It was, yeah. So we ended our two-game losing streak with a fine 2-1 win. Goals from Tammy and Mal gave us the three points. We'll start off as we ended our previous review with a Tammy Abraham-related question. How did Tammy Abraham look after coming back from injury? And is Mason Mount now back to the form he showed early in the season? Well, I thought Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham were, were superb. Their link-up play is brilliant. It really, really is. And yeah, Tammy Abraham, I mean, I predicted at the start of the season that he wouldn't even get past 10 Premier League goals. And he, he's now got 11, so shows what I know is about, <laughs> about Premier League football. But yeah, I mean... It, <laughs> What you'll get with Tammy Abraham, inside the box, he is such a predator and he's such a clinical finisher. When you've got someone like Reese James on, uh, or William, whoever, on the wings, you can put on a ball every single time, put it in that danger area. That is perfect for Tammy Abraham. And that's how, that's what he thrives on. It really is. And he, he's just, he was superb against her. He really was. And Mount, first half, I think he struggled a tiny bit, first, uh, first bit of the half, but when he got that goal, he, he suddenly looked as if he had that confidence back and he was buzzing about and he was you know, taking on players, getting into pockets of space and he was pressing really well and he looked a real, real threat. And he, he looked back to his best, Mason Mount did. Yeah, I mean, both great finishes from the pair, the goals, you know. And with yeah. Tammy, he showed exactly why we were not on top form against West Ham. Because as yeah. you said earlier, his pressing and also his running off the ball, they're essential to how we play under Frank. It really is. It really is. Yeah. You know, it was. It was quite. He was quite unlucky actually not to get at least two goals on the night against obviously his former side. 
Yeah, well, but, Tom Eaton played really well, to be fair. Yeah, it's, it, really they well. always do. The goalkeepers yeah. always play exceptionally yeah. well against us. You know, I, I forgot, was it David Martin for West Ham? Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Fair play, great. He, he did well. You know, they always do. I mean, but coming on to Mason Mount, he was brilliant in both halves of the match, I found. You know, he's, yeah. he's been getting, as we said, he's been getting some unfair criticism on social media recently. And we need to sort of take a step back and remember, you know, this is his first season in the Premier League. And yeah, exactly. Form is going to be temporary. It always is. And we spoke earlier in the season about Azpilicueta due to a yeah. bad run of form. Some fans on social media were calling for the end of his career. You know, that was it. It was done. Ridiculous. But, Ridiculous. You know, he showed that a rest was what, he needed and obviously yeah. since then as Blaquetta he's been brilliant you know and yeah, totally I felt Mount you know he's been it was a great finish from Mount lovely lovely strike yeah, and a great yeah. game and I can't wait to see more from him during obviously the busy festive period hopefully he gets a bit of rotation because it's so hectic during the festive season and yeah, yeah of course you yeah. know you need that rotation you know for the game obviously Georgino was benched and we had that midfield pivot of Ngolo Kante and Kovacic. Now, it's time to think I should have picked up a Kovacic jersey because he was incredible against Villa. Again, he was incredible. How impressed were you with the Kante-Kovacic pivot? Yeah, I mean, Dean Smith said he thought there was three Kantes in midfield <laughs> against them, which sums up both of them, not just Kante. I thought Kovacic covered the ground immensely. I mean, he has done all season. I think for me so far, he's got to be my player of the season. Definitely most underrated by the season, for sure, Kovacic. But yeah, they were superb. The only slight criticism is that they're not as good on the ball as Jorginho, which is pretty obvious. But they, yeah. got, they got up and down. They were they um, ran at Bayers. You know, they were they were secure and winning their tackles and nothing got past them. And that they looked comfortable out there. They really did look really comfortable. And I think, you know, it's a good option to have. You know, you can play. Kovacic and Kante in that double pivot, or you can play Jorginho and Kante or Jorginho and Kovacic. It's a real good problem for Frank Lampard to have in that midfield. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure listeners of the podcast will probably go, didn't Mikey say that he wanted to sell Kante? I didn't want to sell him. I said, did we, we, are we in a position where we might not need him in the Look team? Look at you backtracking now. Look hey, backtracking. He, he's, he's, he's been great. I mean, we played well without him, but obviously we have that extra. There's a reason we've started to concede less goals since he's been back in the side because yeah, course, he, yeah. it's what he does. He's amazing at it. Yeah. You know, with Kovacic, so many stated we overpaid due to our transfer ban, but 40 million now is looking like a total bargain. It, it really, know? really is. It, I mean, 40 million. I mean, when you, you look at like Harry Maguire, 80 million for him. I know, obviously, he's English, yeah. so it's bound to be more. But still, I mean, Danny Drinkwater only costs 5 million less than, than Kovacic. I mean, that, that's ridiculous. It really is. Bakayoko, 40 million as well. And when you compare that to Kovacic, it's just yes, ridiculous. Yes, mate. Oh, Danny Drinkwater at 35 million. Oh, headaches. Well, Bakayoko at 40 million is just it, it was a It's a shame because, obviously, Bakayoko, he looked great at Monaco. And he's come to us and he's just not taken the next stride. Uh, you could argue that maybe Ndombele at Spurs as well. Obviously, he was great at Lyon and he's not done too well in the Premier League. I think but, Ndombele has been better than back, what Bakayoko. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could. Yeah, easily. But with just a joke, I think. <laughs> with Kovacic, you know, this is the Kovacic I remember at Inter Milan. You know, the player that made Real Madrid purchase him in the first place. Mm. Now, I'm going to stick my neck on the line here and say that if Kovacic was in the mark on the market today... I feel he'd probably cost an offer 60 million. 
Yeah, yeah, I'd say based I'd on say four. 60, 70 million, definitely. I mean, don't forget, I mean, he's a holding midfield player, so for some reason they just don't seem as expensive as an attacking player, and I, I kind of get why. But well, yeah, I'd say, I'd say 60, 70 million. Yeah, I, I can't believe how little Sarri got out of Kovacic last season. Now, for all of Sarri's flaws, you know, he's meant to be known as a, a competent tactician, yet he played Kovacic in a role that didn't fit his skill set or his I abilities. What, what the problem was is that, like many people, last season I didn't really know what position Kovacic was best at but this season it's quite clear that you know he is better as that deep lying midfielder who's you know can get up and down I know he doesn't get goals but he can run through midfield like I said on previous podcasts he's exactly like Moussa Dembele was at Tottenham you know yeah he doesn't get goals or assists but he's so important to the way Chelsea play and you know he makes makes it easy for all the other players yeah, true. I mean, it's it's we we claim that obviously Kante was played in the the wrong position last season, but it seems in hindsight maybe it was Kovacic because yeah. obviously. Yeah. But it's great. It's great to see this work because obviously how good Kovacic has been. Yeah. So, I mean, it's always it's a it's a huge positive. It really is because yeah. now we've got it's one less worry to worry about when we go into the transfer market, be it next month yeah, or in exactly. the summer for that midfield player. So. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll go into our game preview against Everton now. Next up, it's it's obviously it's game week 16. We're heading to Goodison Park to take on Everton side who have just sacked their manager. Uh, uh, I, I, wasn't even, I was going shopping last night for some Christmas bits and I saw Marco Silva's been sacked and I thought, uh, why yeah. can't you just wait one more game? You know. Totally get how you feel. Totally so, feel. of course, they're going to be playing like prime Barcelona against us, but... Who, who should we be keeping a close eye on in their starting eleven, And what can we improve on to make sure we come away with three important points? Well, I've heard they've got Stephen Naismith on the phone. And he's probably... Oh, no, not again. Oh. Um, well, they'll definitely be up for it. Definitely be up for it. Richarlison is always a threat. It depends if he plays up front or on the wing. I think he's more dangerous on the wing. But yeah, I mean, their fullbacks like to get forward as well. I've been quite impressed with Sadiba actually at right back for them. And obviously got Luca Dean on the other side, who is very dangerous. So yeah, I think those are the three sort of main areas you want to be careful on. Obviously, they've got Sigurdsson as well. They've got really good players. I mean, you know, they're 18th, but I don't know how because the team is too good to be 18th, to be honest. That would be because they've lost nine games this season. Oh, wait till <laughs> that, tomorrow when they beat us. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, Everton... For me, obviously, set pieces due to the threat that Luca Dean poses yeah, because yeah, his set exactly. pieces, you know, they've been our weakness all season as well. Of course, yeah. And, you know, this Everton side are at the moment wounded and looking more likely to be fighting for their survival in the league than for the top six, which is a complete turnaround considering many, myself included, thought they would be challenging for that top six. Yeah, well, I, I thought that as well. But... So I'm a bit, I'm still surprised to see them down there, but, you know, the league table does not lie this this far into the season you know we're nearly halfway yeah, through true. three games left to play before no three games four games left to play before we've played obviously half the teams yeah well half the teams before we've played every team half yeah. The games, yeah. so you know it's a worry when they've just sat the manager because you think is there going to be a new manager bounce looking across at, in london itself at arsenal there's no new manager bounce there so i have to see Ooh. Ooh. i mean a source of jets I don't, I don't know too well how Duncan Ferguson's going to 
do as a manager at Everton in a temporary interim basis. So it's I'm a bit of a loss to even sort of assume what he could do. I think he's got that personality to sort of get the players up and ready for the game. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So motivated, 100%. But this is still an Everton side that form-wise, they are, you know, 5-2 defeat to Liverpool, 2-1 defeat to Leicester, 2-0 defeat to Norwich. They just beat Southampton, drew 1-1 with Everton, you know, lost to Brighton, beat West Ham. Okay. So, yeah, I I I don't want to be too concerned with them. I mean, Bournemouth as well, they also beat them. And we know how Bournemouth have been playing this recently, but it's going to be, it's, let's not take anything for granted. It's always a tough place to go. Always a tough place to go. Yeah. But we should be expecting three points, you know, as simple as that is, we should be expecting the three points. And with Tammy back full fit, Rudiger's back, but obviously I don't believe he will feature this weekend because I believe that was said in the press conference today. He's not 100% ready for the game today, tomorrow, whichever. Yeah, yeah. But I'd say I've got my score prediction down here as a 2-1. Yeah, same. I've got a yeah. 2-1 as well. I, I said that on, obviously, when this goes out, I'm sure people have, or it's already, they've probably already heard it on the radio when I spoke to our uh, our friends, I suppose now, <laughs> our friends up at Radio City, uh, that Tammy would score a brace and Dinier would get the goal for Everton because he usually scores a, a, a worldie and he's due one soon. So, yeah, I feel that's a fair result, but yeah, hopefully yeah. they won't. Hopefully Everton want to go and bounce back against maybe Man United when they play them. Not us. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully they don't bounce back against us. I, I mean, Everton's next four fixtures are us, Man United, Leicester and Arsenal. I mean, that's... Ouch. Ouch. Yeah, and then that's their festive period. Their festive period is obviously... For the record, the Everton game against Leicester is obviously in the League Cup, but still. Yeah, but still, game. you know, you still want to win games, don't yeah. you? That's their still fe- a hard game. Their festive games are Arsenal at home, Burnley at home, Newcastle away, Manchester City away. So, wow. Tough. That's tough. a tough Christmas, yeah. New Year period. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. final game preview. It's our final clash in our Champions League group. If we win, we're through. We're playing Lille, obviously. Now, how have you found our Champions League campaign so far? And what are the lessons like we have learned about our young squad in Europe? I mean, it's been very much up and down to start to the Champions League this season, uh, which I, th- I always thought it would, would be, to be fair. It was always going to be difficult. Tough places to go in, you know, Ajax and, and uh, Valencia. But, you know, We've got some good results. Getting a one 0 away at Ajax is a brilliant, brilliant result. Um, away at Lille, great result. Drawing away against Valencia again, great result. It's been our yeah for form, sure. Our home form, as we're only slightly this season, not just in the Champions League but in the Premier League as well. So we need to stop being so naive. I feel. I mean, I feel sometimes we go at it too much too soon, sort of thing. And you know, our younger players are a bit too sort of balls to the wall, sort of thing. So I think yeah. we need to be careful. Our midfield gets caught up the pitch a lot, which is why we're easy to counter-attack. But I, th- yeah. I, think against, I think against Leo, I think, you know, we beat them away, obviously. And I don't see why we couldn't beat them at home. I mean, Stamford Bridge will be rocking, I'm sure. And I know Frank will reiterate to the players how important the game is because we, we desperately need a win, really. Yeah, I mean, a win gets us through. And Leo, they've been the whipping boys of the group, unfortunately for them. Mm. You know, I feel as the group games have gone, have come and gone, we've improved based on our tactics and gained yeah. experience in the competition, which of course was likely due to the fact, obviously, many a youth player on our side who haven't experienced Champions League level football 
and yeah, it is different. And as well, let's be honest, Frank Lampard included in that as our manager. He hasn't obviously managed in this competition. Yeah. Now yeah. playing in the Champions League is so different to managing in it. Of you course. Know? Of but course. our performances against Ajax, they're my personal standout picks. We've gone to Amsterdam. We got a one one nil win. And then obviously there was that hectic game at Stamford Bridge. But we still showed the character to bounce back from being in a position where it looked like a point was gone. Yeah, totally. You know, and, you know, we sit third in the group. Obviously, I I, I feel that I've got a prediction of 2-0 because I don't feel Lille have been, they haven't shown anything for me to, to worry us. You know, I don't know about yourself. I think it'll be quite a scrappy game, to be honest. Lille haven't got anything to play for, which does help us, I suppose. But it's just that it'll still be a tough game, without a doubt. I think 1-0. I think 1-0. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Lille Lille play tonight. And they're playing currently Brest, who are 12th in the league, and they're 1-0 up, Lille are. But, But, you know, I feel that We've got we've got to win. I mean, this is our yeah, competition we want to be in. And, you know, if we do win, and obviously whoever gets it could be we could be top in the group depending on the Ajax Valencia result. But if we realistically expect us to finish second, we'll be likely to play one of Leipzig, Barcelona, Oof. uh, Juventus. Oof. That that'd be fun. Yeah. Bayern or PSG. Because wow. the only the teams that have guaranteed top spot in their groups are obviously a PSG, Bayern, Juventus, um, Barcelona. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Ouch. Yeah, I mean this is that's what you get for finishing second. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, of course, yeah. We might top the group depending on how it goes because obviously if Valencia get a win, or I think I think if Valencia win or draw, we will top the group if, as long as we win. Yeah, yeah. As so as, I think yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Right. No, if Valencia win, so if Valencia do win and we win, we'd be second because obviously we lost. Right, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So obviously we'd love to play a second place side, but you know, out of all those, I would particularly like to have a go at Juventus because I, I'm, I feel they're a little vulnerable. To be honest, I think any of those teams we can beat. Unfortunately, like I said on previous episodes, we could probably get absolutely obliterated by all those teams. So it's we could, but that's the competition. Give us the best and we'll, we'll see how good we really are. You know, that's the competition, the Champions yeah. League. You know, we're not Manchester City. We don't want to be having an easy route. <laughs> We'd no, like no. an easy route. But the point is that, you know, you're in this competition, you're going to play at one point an incredible team. Hopefully, if we do and we go out, then let's not look too negatively. As long as we put in a performance that we can be proud of, that's yeah. that's all you can say because this is, again, a young side. Exactly. But, but you never know. Young manager well exactly and you never know who we may have picked up in the january market so exactly exactly. it's going to be very interesting so with that that's going to conclude another episode of at the bridge pod so this is myself mikey and chris signing off we will return next week where we will talk all things chelsea so until then you can find us on twitter and instagram at at the bridge pod thanks for listening everyone until next time 